Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Well, we're starting a series called Bold. Now, some of you have done some bold things. I mean, I've seen pictures. Some of you have jumped out of a perfectly good airplane, which I really don't understand. Some of you... uh, are in a relationship, and you're going to make this bold move and get married. Uh, Some of you are going to make some bold decisions and tell your kids no to something. Some of you are going to have a bold decision, and you're going to start a business, or you're going to move your family for something. But bold comes in so many different ways. I'm not sure I'm a terribly bold person, to be honest with you. I mean, in my core, I'm an introvert. And so if you give me a choice of a party or uh, being alone at Waffle House, I'm going to Waffle House, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just an introvert at nature. Not You say, well, Chuck, that's not how you come across on stage. This is work, people. I mean, seriously, I have to work to be nice. I, mean, it's, I know that's not cool, and I'm not supposed to admit things like that, but I have to work to be a nice guy. It does not come naturally. I am a natural-born jerk. And so I work for that. And so for me, that's kind of a version of bold. But one of the things that I did that I thought was bold was I got certified in scuba diving. All right? Now, just imagine all this in a wetsuit. All right? I know. You want to get rid of that as soon as you can, don't you? I know. I get it. Um, I'm just grateful that there are no pictures I could put on the screen for that. And so um, I, I went, and they train you in this pool. Right, And so really, it's like when you're scuba diving in a pool, you're not really scuba diving. You're just kind of getting used to being underwater, right? So the first time that he takes me in the deep end of the big boy pool, I've got my weight belt on. I got this thing you blow up, and you got the tank, and you got the whole deal, right? So in the, in the big, big end of the pool, my trainer is a former Navy SEAL named Tony. And Tony dives in, and um, he, he makes you take all your stuff off at the end of the pool, including taking out your mouthpiece, right? And so uh, he says, we're going to do this on your certification in real water, so I need you to get used to it. So I do it in the bottom pool, piece of cake, right? So we go off West Palm Beach to get my certification. I'm out in, instantaneously. I recognize big difference in being in the ocean and pool. There is no place I can get to the kitty part and stand up, all right? And there are critters. And this, I'm thinking, I bet you this is delicious right here. Somebody is going to take a chunk out of me, right? So, so I, I, I'm scared, naturally. I'm scared to death. And then I'm also afraid that I'm going to blow it, and Tony's going to say, you can't do this anymore. So I mean, I'm, I'm afraid of all kinds of things. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of sharks. I'm afraid I'm not going to breathe. Because, you know, when you breathe, you're alive. Did you all know that? And when you cease breathing, what are you? You are so sharp. Yeah, that's right. And so, so for me, I jump off, I'm in the water, and here comes Tony. Now, he told me it was coming, but I didn't know that I really believed he would do it in big water. So we're only at about, about 40 feet. Tony comes down, and he rips my mouthpiece out. It is at that moment that you're trying to think, okay, what do I do? Because if I go, uh, I'm dead. So Tony takes his mouthpiece and puts it in my mouth. Instantaneously, he's a bit of a germaphobe. My first thought is, that's gross. I'm not sure Tony brushes his teeth regularly. This guy's a little creepy, right? So he sticks this thing in my mouth, but I realize I'd rather have cooties than not breathe. So I'm breathing his stuff. He takes all my other stuff off. It's laying in the sand in the beach. And my job while I'm swapping back and forth with his spit and the breather thing is to put all that junk back on me, right? And so when I got done, I thought, bold. 
I am the man. So then my next dive, he took a group of DeKalb County firefighters down to a freshwater cave in Springs in Florida. And he said, man, if you want to go, that'll be great. I'm, I'm certifying some DeKalb County firemen in dry suit dives, so you can just come on with us. So, okay, that's cool. So we're about 70 feet down in freshwater in a cave where you can't get up to air. And there are critters everywhere right? When you dive at night in cave, this just, you don't, y'all don't know the junk that's out there, man. It just freak you out. And so I'm completely freaked out. But when I got done, you know what? Bold. Got it. I'm on it, right? You know what I've realized? You know, it, it's really not that big a deal. But to me, it was so awesome because it was bold. Some of you make decisions all day long that are incredibly bold. I mean, you, you drive on 285. That's bold. Seriously, you go over 45 going through Duluth on Peachtree Industrial Boulevard. That's bold. Like you do 52 on Peachtree Industrial going through Swanee. You are so busted, right? This is bold. You actually get up in the morning and send your children off to do Lord knows what. That's bold. I know your spouses. Some of you stay married. That's bold. Right? I mean, serious. We go through life and we're picking these bold things, but we tend to think they're a big, big deal. We're going to kick off the series in Genesis chapter 1. So the whole series of bold is about Genesis. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, what's the first thing you read? In the beginning, what did God do? Created the heavens and the earth. Now, you might be here today and you have zero faith system. You have no, you say, listen, I realize the Bible is this historical work, but Chuck, come on, it's not for me. It's not relevant to me. And how on earth do I take bold and Genesis and put it all together? Well, let's look at it this way. Science and creation go hand in hand, far more so than, say, a Big Bang, right? I mean, if you think about it, the Big Bang theory is kind of this thought. All of the parts of your Chevy are in the front yard, And you got this massive sound system, and you clapped your hands, and it became a Silverado. Are you with me? And so you look at that and say, there had to be some divine plan. I mean, just think of your brain. I mean, just think of the intricacies of your hand. Think when you, when you see a waterfall. Think when you see those beautiful skies that I see you post on Facebook. When you go to the beach and the ocean keeps rolling in and the peace that you find. I mean, it's hard for me to find that peace in a bang. But I can see it in the divine creation of a holy God. Now, again, you may be here and you say, man, that just makes no sense at all. Well, let's think of it this way. All through the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2, we find a repeated theme, which is God creates something, he looks at it, and he says, that's good. So we begin to see the goodness of God. But think about this, the boldness of God that when he spoke this whole planet into existence, this whole universe into existence, he didn't go with a whimper. I mean, he breathed 100 million galaxies. He breathed that moon that we look at at night and say, now that's cool. He breathed the sun into existence. I mean, think about this. He breathed earth in an existence. I mean, you think about it. If earth is one degree closer to the sun, we're a Pop-Tart. One degree away, we're a Popsicle. And there he is. He placed it right there. So regardless of how you see this, that's a pretty bold move for God to just speak this into existence. And on the seventh day, Scripture says he did what? He rested. Was it because he was tired? This great thing about teaching boys and girls, I say, God must have been tired. Well, think about it. Watch this. Let there be light. Do I need a break after that? 
No, God spoke this into existence. What he did on the seventh day was model that we should rest. All right, but let's go back and look at Genesis chapter 1. All right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning in the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the, from, from the land from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the water. Blah, 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 blah. It keeps on going. And you know what he says? That's good. And then he gets over to the part and he says over in verse 16, he says, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And so what we find in Genesis is this overwhelming thought that God is creating for us everything we need. With this big, bold breath, he puts before us everything we need. So he then looks at man, and it says in uh, verse 27, so God created in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Now go back up to verse 26. Then God said, let us, okay, now there's a big word there, us. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, let us, who's the us? God the Father, our creator, God the Son, our Savior, God the Holy Spirit, our keeper. Before there was anything, there was God. I love it when little boys and girls say, yeah, well, you know what? Who made God? Isn't that a logical question? Who made God? You see, there's only really one answer that you can give to that. God always has been. God always will be. So if you go over to the New Testament, you go to the Gospel of John, it starts off with this picture, in the beginning. And what does it say? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, you translate the word, word, and you say, in the beginning, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. So he's saying, let us, the three-part trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God says, we're going to create all this and it's good. Now, when he made man, he said, wow, that's really good. But he fixed something before he got over into chapter three and dealt with sin. In chapter two, he looks over and he looks at God, at man and says, whoa, that's not good for you to be alone. So he put him to sleep, grabbed a rib and created a woman. And all the men said, amen. Because you know what? Y'all are beautiful. You're awesome. We could not do life without you. And you drive us bat crazy because we do not understand you. All right? Okay, so true story. Yesterday, this is kind of the how the man and woman thing goes. Yesterday, me and Jen leave Perimeter Mall, which, by the way, Saturday Perimeter Mall. This, that's where you go when you die without Jesus, okay? And so... <laughs> So we leave Perimeter Mall, and we're going through Starbucks because Jen says, I'm about to have a blood sugar crash. I need a little something. And I know she's telling me all this stuff, but I promise you, I'm not listening. 
Okay, so I pull up to Starbucks drive-thru and I order my deal and we drive forward like the length of two cars. There's nobody behind me, thank the Lord. And, and Jen gives me that look like, you idiot. But that's not what I said. So I'm like, babe, I'm so sorry. I slam that Honda in reverse, man. I'm backing up. Had there been somebody there, they'd be dead today. So I, th- I head back. I order the right thing. Babe, I'm so sorry. I just didn't miss it. And she always asked me this question. Do you have your ears on? Because yeah, I wear these hearing aids. And so if she's, she's always worried about my hearing aids. And babe, isn't that true? I mean, just you were frustrated with me, weren't you? <laughs> she may have just flipped me off. I'm not sure. But I, <laughs> I'm just saying. She, I did not do the right thing. All right. So I was kind of in begging mood to get past it and doing it. But see, here's the difference between men, men and women. God looked at man and he said, Ooh, that is not cool for you to be alone. I'm going to give you a woman that will tell you what to do. <laughs> I think that's in my version. I'm not sure, but it's somewhere, it's somewhere I'm sure it's there. I'm so grateful that he gave me a good one. Did that help, babe? No. Okay. Now, so, so Adam and Eve are in this garden, right? And the Bible goes through this intricate detail. We got a river running through it. We got everything we need. And along the way, man, they're naked. Okay, I'm thinking this is awesome. I mean, this is 50 shades of awesome, right? And so they're hanging out, doing their thing. And um, all of a sudden, we find that a serpent comes along. And you just insert the name Satan with serpent. Are you with me? Because every day we battle with evil. That's just kind of, that's how the world is. You and I wake up every morning, we have to go to war. That's why it's so important to be in the word. That's why it's so important to have a prayer life. That's why it's so important to have friends, folks that can encourage you and help you. That's why coming here today is a big deal because I get encouraged to go out, I can do this. And so what happens in here is Adam and Eve begin to doubt God's word. Because you see, here's, here's what happens. So you look back over in, uh, let's go to chapter two. All right? And in chapter 2, let's, uh, let's go down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the, in that day that you eat, if you do eat, you will surely die. Okay? Now, we know the story. Adam didn't die after he ate the fruit, Right? That's what we think. Because you see, we look at this and think dying is whether you're going, (gasps) breathing or not. But you see, he did die. He died spiritually. Here's what happens. When we begin to doubt God's word, and by the way, we all do it sometime, don't we? I don't know anybody that hasn't doubted. As a matter of fact, I would say if you're in a season of doubt, the fastest way to get out of doubt is take the bold move of reading God's word and asking him for clarity. And just do it out loud. God, I, I don't get this. I need to know this. And do your research. One of the boldest things you can do is support what you believe about the Bible. So they begin to doubt God's word. And so what happens in verse 16 and 17, let's just take a look at that real quick because it's a p- perfect word. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden. So he's saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. But in verse 17, if you do eat of that tree, you're going to die. So God makes it pretty clear, but he also makes it simple. He says, listen, everything here, 
Y'all can just run around naked and, and have a big time and you, all the good food. And you, it's, the weather's perfect. I mean, this is great. It's like San Diego with a city. I mean, it's just, you got it. This is wonderful. Y'all just have at it. Just, you don't need blue jeans. This is so cool. You don't even have to wear flip-flops. I mean, this is awesome. Have you ever thought how cool this had to be in the Garden of Eden? I mean, think about it. You could run around without worrying about spurs in your feet like you get in Florida when you walk through the grass. Like, don't those hurt? You ever done that? Like as a kid, growing up in Florida, I'd walk, get those little sand spurs in my feet. I mean, man, no wonder we cuss, right? I mean, that's, of course you are when you do that, right? But they were in perfection. God said, I'm going to give you everything you need. And then the serpent, Satan, comes along and asks a very important question. He says, now, did God really mean that? I mean, come on, what, what, if, what if he was just joshing you? I mean, come on, there's wiggle room in that, right? I mean, come on, it's, Every rule is meant to be broken, right? And so now what happens is when they begin to doubt God's word, they start to doubt God's goodness. Because what does Satan come back with that some more? It's kind of like, hey, listen, isn't God just kind of holding out on you? He's got the good stuff, but it's in his cellar, and he's not going to share it with you. He's giving you the scraps here, man. You could, you could be more like him. You could act more like him. You could control your own fate. Maybe God's lied to you. That can't be so. And so you look in Scripture and you say in chapter 3, again in verse 3, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you will die. But what did the serpent say? He said to the woman, you'll surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate and the eyes of both of them, all of a sudden, they were naked. You say, well, what's the difference between naked and naked? Naked is they were good. Naked is they're up to no good because all of a sudden their eyes were opened. And what were their eyes open to? For the first time, they were open to shame. You see, we think that's, that this story is about did God create the heavens and the earth in six literal days like we know 24 hours. That's what we think the story is about, but that's not the story. The story, the main part of the story comes in three parts. Ready? Number one, God created the heavens and the earth. Number two, God created me and you in his image. Number three, we made a bad choice and we let sin enter our world. And when that happens, the trajectory of our life has changed. You say, well, why do I have to pay for them? Because they're your ancestors. And so what happens is from that point on, every single person on earth was born with a sin nature. You say, but Chuck, I'm a good guy. I bet you are, but you're born with a sin nature. You say, but I'm a good lady, I, but you're born with a sin nature. You see, Scripture teaches every single person comes short of the glory of God. And you say, well, I don't get that glory part. All right, think of it this way. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the waters, the mountains, the fish. He created the, the birds. The, he created the beasts. He created me and you. He looked at all that and said it's very good. Everything that he had, we, we had for good. And so then what happens is we have a choice. Doubt God, doubt his goodness. And when we do, we usually act in the third part of that story and we disobey God's command. So you see, Satan comes along and says, now wait a minute, let me make sure. Um, if, if I doubt God's word, 
what's going to happen to me? What did, what did God say? You're going to die. But how do we die? When we die in this text, we're not physically dying away. Adam and Eve didn't just drop dead when they had the fruit, did they? What happened with Adam and Eve is their guilt separated them from God. God in his perfection, all of a sudden fellowship and goodness and rightness was all separated. They couldn't be right with God because everything was broken off. So what happened? All of a sudden they saw their life with shame. Some of us came in here today and we said, man, I don't, I don't want anybody to know what I did. I don't, want to know, I don't want them to judge me. You see, what happened with Adam and Eve is they didn't need anybody to judge them. God already was. And see, part of our challenge with, with religion and church and all the other stuff we try to do is we like to heap guilt and judgment just like they tied fig leaves around them and said, I can't be naked anymore. And so we, we take these bold decisions in the wrong way. And God comes together and he says, listen, rather than trusting in the goodness of the creator, they chose to go in another direction. They didn't believe that whenever we allow ourselves to question the goodness or the sufficiency of God as our creator, we make this small step to pursuing self-fulfillment through creation itself. See, here's what happens. Adam and Eve put the creation ahead of the creator. When we take any of the creation and put it ahead of the creator, we lose the whole power of the creation story. So if you're here today and you say, Chuck, I don't believe God would, could create the whole world in six days and speak it to existence and then have a Sabbath day on the Sabbath, I just I can't wrap my head around that. I mean, when, when you ask a little kid, so, so can you name anything God didn't create? I had a little boy look at me one time and said, God didn't make bowling balls. Hmm, how about that? So, you know, I'm Googling how are bowling ball made. You come back all the way back to this is what God made. And it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. So you begin to think, what, what is it that God didn't make? And at the end of the day, you can't come to an answer. And so you look at that and said, well, well, wait a minute, how does my life line up to that? And what does it mean for me to live boldly in that? All right, think about it this. God spoke you into existence. He had a plan for your life before you were ever born. And God wants you to live this life of boldness for him. But here's what keeps us from doing that. We doubt God's word. You know why we doubt it? It's, it's not because we've read it. We doubt it because we don't read it. You see, I think a lot of people put on an intellectual hat and say, I can't wrap my head around a God that can do all that. And then you'll say, well, let me ask you this. Have you read this story? Well, I don't have to. I can't imagine. Okay. I think what happens is we see Christians the way we do college football teams. All right, stick with me here. All right. How many of you can't stand a college football team because you know one of their fans? All right, now just think about it for a minute. Are you with me? Okay. I hate some college football teams because I know who their fans are. I mean, seriously, it's like when I see them, I would pull for a rock over them, okay? But isn't it weird how we do it? When I look at that, I think that's what religion did to the church. We, we took so many rules, we took so much junk, and we layered on top of how, how many ways you have to be that we forgot that it all started with this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God made this huge, bold step, and then he says, by faith, trust that. Because I know that you're born with a sin nature, and I want to fix it. So you look at Adam and Eve, and you say, well, how does all that come together? The Bible reminds us 
that everything we need for life, God has provided. Everything. And so you think about that and say, well, wait a minute. How does God make everything happen? How does that work? There's no possible way that can be right. Chuck, well, let me ask you a question. Is it possible that that could be right? Well, sure, it's possible. Then let me ask you, I don't believe you'll come up with a better theory, especially when I give you the rest of the story. So Adam and Eve disobey God's command. Adam and Eve started that journey by doubting God's word. He went on and they doubted his goodness. Even though he said, all of this, this is good. They, they sinned, they broke the rules, and when they did, all of a sudden they saw shame. And when we see shame and we start living in shame, what happens is we forget that God loves us so much that he gave us a way to do away with our shame. So if the Bible says that each one of us have come short of the glory of God, what is that glory? Perfection. It started in the, in the Garden of Eden. See, a lot of us think the story of living for Christ started at the cross. Our story starts in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the foundation for our faith and to believe that God created us, that God breathed into us, that God had a purpose for us, that he wants us to be a part of his family. So then Adam and Eve mess up. Every one of us since then are born with a sin nature and we have these bold decisions to make. Am I going to trust the same God that said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? Are we going to take this bold step that says, all of my junk, God will forgive me? And we're going to take this bold step that says, I'm going to trust that God loved me so much that even in my messed up world, he's going to send his son and die on a cross and shed his blood. He's going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, he's going to raise from the grave and he's going to sit by the Father in heaven. And for everyone who believes, he offers this bold statement. I will hear you. I will answer you. I will give you life and abundance here and eternity in heaven. That's bold but you have to make the choice I could have sat on that boat and said you know what Tony I am not getting in that water there are critters Tony I am not going down there because I know I got to breathe your stuff Tony I'm not going down there because I can't make it happen but when I got done with that you know what happened I believed there was air in the tank and there was I believed I could get to the top and I was why would I believe that because God said all of this I made for your good I love you so much and when we blew it when we messed up when we took Adam and Eve's sin nature and we made bad choices God said you can't make me not love you If I could give you the greatest word today, I don't care how messed up your life is, you can't make God not love you. He loves you. He's for you. He wants you to succeed wildly. Why would I not want that God on my side? Why would I not want to be on his side? Because he created the heavens and the earth, and when he finished making even me, he said, that big old mess I'm for him. And he looked into your life today, and you know what he said? I'm for you. Kill it today. Let's go do this. Be bold enough to say, yes, I will trust Christ. I will trust the Son of God because he came to take all my junk away and give me life in abundance and life eternal because God created the heavens and earth for you that you might have life. The boldest statement, the boldest decision you'll ever make is to look at the mistake Adam and Eve made and say, isn't it cool 
that God said, but I can fix it. You made this horrible, disastrous mistake, but I can fix it. You're addicted, but I, I can fix it. Your marriage is so whacked out, but I can fix it. Your income is just in a tank, but I can fix it. But God, I am so depressed. I am so lonely. I am so, but I can fix it. So God looked at us and he said, man, in the beginning, we made you in our image. So the second part of our God said, I'm going to be so bold. I'm going to send the second part of our, the son of God, to be born in a stable. And he's going to live a sinless, perfect life. It's so bold. I'm going to let him die a gruesome, horrible death. So you'll remember for the rest of your lifetime that he paid the price for your sin, your bad choices, your pride. He's going to be buried in a tomb that's borrowed. And the world's going to fall dark. And there'll be no hope. That's so bold. And then I'm going to raise him from the dead. He's going to push that stone away and he is going to walk into Jerusalem. And then he's going to ascend to glory and he's going to sit right by my side. And he says, you make the bold choice to say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord. Jesus, I need you as my Savior. Hear my prayer and let me become a part of your family and let me sit at the big boy table with God, my creator. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth for you. And he made you, and he made you for him because he loves you no matter what. But you choose. Be bold enough today to choose him. Father, we love you. And thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your favor. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.